Well, good morning. Um, Pastor John and Cherie are away having a few days off, so um, that's why they're not here. They'll be back in action during the week and next week, as far as I know. So, um, Happy New Year. Now, oh, I've nearly lost the gizmo. Where's the gizmo? Here's the gizmo. Here we are. Black screen clicks next for sermon title. (laughs) What? There it is. Well, now, I like cars. You probably know that. I've got a little Triumph Spitfire in bits in my garage that I'm working on, and I. So I like analogies that are to do with cars. And so I've entitled our thoughts this morning, Park, Reverse, or Drive. And it says there, Hebrews 6, 1 to 3. But before we read it, <clears throat> let's just have a word of prayer. Lord, you're a good, good Father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. You could be none other. And we are loved by you. It's who we are. And we can't stop you loving us. Lord, this morning as we meditate on your word and as we share communion together, Lord, may we just know more of your love, more of your power, and may your spirit just inspire us to to greater devotion and commitment to you. Lord, open your word to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me read those verses from Hebrews chapter 6 that are down there. It's breaking into the middle of a discussion, obviously, but it, it's got some benefit for us, I think. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instructions about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. And that last sentence there, I want us this morning to grasp hold of. God permitting, we will do so. Yes, it will happen. Not because of us, but because of Him. Okay, let us move beyond. And of course, if you're in park, you're sitting there, the engine may be ticking over, but you're going nowhere. If you're in reverse, you don't want to go in reverse too far because you might not see something behind you and it's not the way to get from A to B. You normally go in drive. And if you're in drive, you are progressing slowly or fast, but you are moving. And that's, if you like, overall, what I want us to look at this morning. Are we moving? Hopefully that away, not that away. What about 2016? Before we jump into 2017, what about 2016? Well, there was a lot of bad stuff going on. There still is. There's Syria. There's terrorism. Bomb threats. Terrorist attacks. And, of course, political turmoil. Both here and in another country that I hesitate to mention. The Trump phenomenon, what will that mean for us here? It's big wait and see, isn't it? The Brexit phenomenon in the UK, what will that bring about? It's a wait and see. Two nations, 
that have said, we're not going to carry on the conventional route. We want something different. We want something new. We're fed up with what we've got. We're fed up with, with, we want change. We want to go a slightly different way. And what about us in our Christian faith? Are we totally satisfied or do we want to go a different way? There is no different way. There's only one way and that is Jesus. But do we want to approach that in a different way, a new way? That's what I want us to think about this morning. So how was your 2016? A year of good? Oh, somebody said good. Good, that's one person. (laughs) (laughs) This time last year... Did you make the resolutions to paint this, to clear that out, to lose so many pounds, to to read this, to do that, to go there, to change whatever it was? Did you do that? Did it happen? Mm, Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. Partly, who knows? We tend to make resolutions and some of them stick, a lot of them don't. What about a resolution to really get to grips with God? resolution, really get to grips with God. I'm not saying we're not, but maybe to renew that commitment by God permitting, we will do it. So how did this year go? Maybe you've had some significant events in 2016. They may be good, they may be bad. It may be different this Christmas and New Year. But whatever it is, 2017 provides opportunity possibility and a new start it's never too late to start afresh with God would you say you're in park or reverse or drive because the Bible encourages it says take a sober look at yourself look at yourself don't think yourself more highly than you ought but take a sober long hard look and be realistic in the light of scripture And this is a good time to do that, the first Sunday of a new year. I've been struck recently by some these passages in Hebrews, and we're going to be dipping into one or two of them this morning. We're also going to be celebrating communion. That's sort of halfway through the the sermon because it fits in well. Don't worry, you're not going to get two sermons. You only get one, so lengthwise, you know, not more than a couple of hours, you're okay. All right, it's one sermon, but with communion in the middle, because... Wow, Jesus is in the middle of everything. Now, if you've got a bulletin, you'll see there's some space to filling in one or two bits and pieces. And this is the first one you might want to fill in. What's our predicament in Hebrews? Well, the Word of God is alive and active. And it's sharper than any double-edged sword penetrates even to, even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. <coughs> account. Wow, that's a bit of a stern scripture, isn't it? And those bits in red, I've tried to emphasize. And that guy in the top right-hand corner there, his name, you can't see it probably, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, a good Brit (laughs) and a Baptist. He that reads the Bible to find fault with it 
will soon discover that the Bible finds fault with him. Read the Bible and we find ourselves in a bit of a predicament. We can't hide anything from God. But at the beginning there, it says the Word of God. It's alive and active. Well, the Word of God is this, absolutely. But it's more than this. It's who God is. It's his actions. It's what he does. It's his intentions, his nature, his being. The way he reveals himself to us, it's the Greek word because we like Greek words, is logos. There used to be a Christian ship called logos, the word. And it sailed around the world delivering the word of God. Logos. The word of God, what is it? Is it dead, boring? That's not what it says. It says it's alive and active. It's alive and active. It's sharp. It penetrates. It sifts between this and that, good and bad, right and wrong. It looks at your attitudes. It looks at your thoughts. Ouch. And it says, where are you going with that? What's that? Where are you with that? Nothing. Nothing in all creation. We lie totally exposed and vulnerable to God. That's our predicament. It judges all of us. Nothing is hidden. And what's more, we will give account to God. And this theme of accountability is something that we don't always focus on too much. But I know Pastor John has once or twice. We will give account for the way we spend our life. We will not give account in terms of deciding whether we are going to be saved or not, because if we're saved, we're saved but we will give account to what we've done with what God's given us, the gifts, the abilities, our personalities, our, 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 the way we spend our life, our priorities, our thoughts, our attitudes. We will have to give account. Now, I don't want to be a preacher who's sort of wagging a big finger, prepare to meet your God. But we will. Uh, it will be fantastic because the grace of God will be there. But one of these days... We will give account. Transparency before God. We cannot hide. We're accountable. I wonder how we feel about that. He is God and we are not. And much more, we have not in our flesh measured up to what God demands. Fortunately, there's more. Some more verses from Hebrews provision. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Well, as Rather a lot in there, isn't there? Um, it's rather a lot. So let's lift our eyes from our predicament of total vulnerability, being totally exposed and totally known by God, to Jesus. Let's catch a glimpse of Jesus' thoughts and attitude. It says that he offered up prayers and petitions with cries and tears. It wasn't just like going to the prayer meeting for an hour and sitting here and having a good time and, and praying and then going home. Wow. Fervent cries and tears. This is the Son of God walking this earth for you and me. It cost him something. 
There was total involvement, total submission. And we read of that in in Gethsemane in the Gospels where Jesus, as it were, uh, sweat drops of blood. He was in anguish. This is the Son of God. It wasn't a breeze for him. It cost him. It cost him separation from Father. It cost him the wrath of God. And yet, who did these cries and tears go to? To the one who could save him from death. Who's that? Who could have saved Jesus from death? Father God. He could have saved him. He could have said, okay, son, it's okay, you don't have to. But because of the nature of God, because of who he is, because of who he is, because of who he is, he's a good, good father, Jesus went through and Father did not save him from death. And Jesus was in reverent submission. Reverent submission to Father's will. It wasn't forced. He wasn't bullied into it. He wasn't unwilling. He wasn't coerced. Jesus had choice. He exercised choice. He chose to set his face to go to Jerusalem knowing what it meant, knowing that it would include crucifixion, knowing that he would give up his life, knowing that he would suffer. He made those choices. His submission to Father's will was tested. The quality of something only becomes apparent when it's put under pressure. Jesus said a lot of stuff, but he actually did it as well. Now, when I'm not messing around with clocks, uh, with cars, or sitting in a coffee shop with my wife drinking coffee, or looking after the grandchildren, or cycling along the Heritage Trail, I tend to sort of take old clocks to pieces. And I don't mean a battery quartz thing. I mean a proper clock. You know, it's got a pendulum that goes tick-tock, tick-tock, and you have to wind it up. Okay? And I, I sort of fiddle around with them, and I take them apart, clean them up if they're not working, polish everything, all what they call pivots and little holes, the bearings, polish it up, uh, make sure it's scrupulously clean, bit of oil on the spring, put it all back together, which in itself is quite a challenge, getting all those little wheels and cogs, put it back together, wind it up, and when you wind a clock up, you are putting that clock under pressure. You are concentrating loads of energy in a spring that gets tighter and tighter and tighter. Don't mess with a clock spring. Because if you inadvertently have a little clock spring that's wound up that tight, if, if the drum it goes in or whatever the straining it stops, all of a sudden it's <laughs> and you've lost your eyes or your fingers. It's that bad. There is a lot of pressure. There's a lot of energy stored up in a clock. And it's only when it's properly cleaned and set apart do we see if that pressure is going to make good. It's only when it's under pressure that it works properly. It's when it's under pressure that it shows whether it's good or not. And it's perfected when it goes tick-tock, 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 as you expect it to. It's when it's put under pressure that its quality is tested. It was when Jesus was put under pressure that the quality of his commitment and who he is was tested and he was proved genuine. It was perfected. It wasn't that he was imperfect. It was that perfection was shown when he was under pressure. It was there all the time. But it only becomes evident when we see his life, ultimately and foremost in the crucifixion, in submitting himself to death. 
And at the end there, it says, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. The fruit of his obedience is, look around. We are the fruit of his obedience. Go to the church in Middletown, in Montgomery, in anywhere else this morning. You will see the fruit of his submission. You will see that the fruit of his being made perfect, of his suffering, is there, sitting there, worshipping him, the church. That's the fruit of his submission. Salvation for us. So as our lives lie exposed before God, our predicament, Jesus steps in and makes provision for us. He is our priest. He was the only one who could stand before God as perfect man. Priests, and if you look at Hebrews, you'll see the discussion about this. Priests would offer sacrifices. They had to offer sacrifices for the people and for themselves. Jesus offered a sacrifice, except the sacrifice that Jesus offered was not a lamb or a bull or a goat, it was he himself. He did not have to offer a sacrifice for himself. He did have to offer, or he chose to offer himself as a sacrifice for us. So as well as being our high priest, he is the sacrifice. He gave his life. What a plan. What a provision for us. And this is what we're going to celebrate this morning. You know, as we take this bread and this wine in a moment, what are we doing? We're remembering But we're not just remembering something that's long gone. We're remembering something which is living. Remember the word of God is living and active. Jesus is living and active. And this is a living and active uh, action that we're about to take. One day, we will get all this stuff out of the way. We won't need the bread and the wine. We won't need to worry about are we going to come up here or are we going to be served? Is it little cups or a big cup? Is it gluten-free bread? We don't need to worry about that because the guy that it's all about will be sitting there with us and we will be with him forever. Yay. Well, now doesn't get that get your juices going? Because if that doesn't, nothing will. There's nothing else in this life that even touches that. What we're about to celebrate is something which stands for eternity, and one, but one day the symbols will no longer be there because we will be with him himself. And we won't need the bread and the wine. There will be that fantastic feast. And so that's why I said the provision celebrated. We remember, but we celebrate. And that verse in Hebrews, Hebrews 4.16, says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Now, that's not a physical. You're no closer to God's throne there than you are in your seat. But it's in our hearts. Let's approach God in our heart, our attitude, our, our desire, uh, our hearts. Let's approach God with, well, after the predicament, I think with a bit of trepidation. Yeah, but the provision. We don't have to approach God with trepidation uh, in fearing that he's going to condemn us because Jesus has taken that condemnation. So we can approach with confidence. Not confidence in our goodness, but confidence in his goodness. I know we've heard this before, but it's the first of the year and it's good to, to renew our commitment. Approach with confidence for what? Well, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us. Ah, we receive mercy from God. 
we don't receive the due penalty of our sins. We receive mercy and grace. It's who he is. It's who he is. It's who he is. We are loved by him. And we can't stop him. It's who we are. It's who we are. It's who we are. We receive grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. Our whole life is a time of need. We need sin to be dealt with from our whole life. And it is dealt with. So let's celebrate and remember now that the provision that Jesus gave for us. Let's celebrate that he died for us. Let's remember that as we take the bread... His body was broken for us. He took the punishment for our sin. As we drink the juice, let's remember that his blood was shed for us. The sacrifice. Blood speaks of the death of a sacrifice being offered to God. He was the sacrifice. And we are cleansed through the shedding of his blood. But let's also look forward as a celebration. I'm eating this little piece of bread. I'm drinking this little bit of juice this morning. But one day... I won't need these anymore because I will be with him and there will be a great feast uh, and and, and the symbols will be totally done away with because it will be sight, experience with our resurrection body forever with the Lord. Have we got any service? Okay. One, two, three, four. Rachel, would you like to serve? Thank you. So we've said quite a bit about the fact we're celebrating. And this is for anybody and everybody who belongs to Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you haven't given your life to Jesus, just hold back because you need to get that right. You can put it right this morning and ask him into your life and heart for the first time. But for everybody who has done that, this is for you to take part in. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the provision that you've made for us. As we take this bread, as we drink this wine, we want to celebrate the fact that you are alive, and that we are alive, that once you were dead for us, but you've risen again, and we have been raised up with you, and one day we will see you, Thank you that you gave your body. Thank you that you allowed your blood to be shed. You gave your life for us. Lord, we give you praise and thanks. We celebrate your life. We celebrate your victory. We celebrate ahead of time that one day we will be with you. Receive our praise and our thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm going to suggest that you come up and receive the bread. And what I suggest we do is eat the bread as soon as you receive it. And then take the cup of wine, but take the cup of wine back to your place and we will drink together once everybody's been served. And I think Mike's probably going to come and... Oh, there you are. There he is, uh, as we do this. So when you're ready, come and receive. Thank you.
just waiting for the, the nursery people to be served. Let's pray together. Jesus said this is the blood of the new covenant. And it's sealed in his blood. And whenever we do this, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, this morning we hold this little cup and we proclaim the fact that you are Lord, that you came, you chose to come to this earth. You saw us in our predicament of total vulnerability, and you chose to come and save us. Lord, we give you praise, because this wine speaks to us of death. It speaks to us of your death, of sacrifice. And yet, Lord, we proclaim your death only until you come. We're using this as a symbol, because when you come again, we will not need symbols. But this morning, we just proclaim together that Jesus is Lord, that he was alive, he died, he rose again, he's coming again, and one day we will, be, we will see him. Lord, you have provided for us. Receive our praise and our thanks as we drink together now. Amen. Amen. So, that was fantastic. I always like when communion is down the way round where people come up to the front, I like sort of just looking around and thinking, wow, this is a little microcosm of heaven. There's going to be people of all shapes and sizes and colours and, and, and it's going to be a fantastic. Millions of us, millions of us, the fruit of his labour, the fruit of his suffering, the fruit of his provision, and this is what we remember together. That's fantastic. Let's move on. Because we've been, we had our predicament, we've looked at the way Jesus has provided for us, we've celebrated his provision. And yet, hopefully, we've got provision. We don't want to go back to the bad news, but Paul, uh, sorry, the writer to the Hebrews said, we have much to say about all this, but it's hard to make it clear to you, because you no longer try to understand. Ooh, Ouch. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you all the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. In other words, the writer is saying, you people, you got stuck in park. In fact, you've gone into reverse. You've gone backwards, it seems. You're stuck. You haven't grown as you should. And what's more, you're not bothered about it. Now, I'm not saying that's where any of us are. I'm saying this is what the writer is saying to the Hebrews. We let that sink into our hearts. And, and respond appropriately. They no longer tried to understand. Wow. And this was only a few decades after Jesus had walked the earth. How easily that could happen then and how much more easily it can happen now 2,000 years later. Tragic. They'd given up. They'd abdicated. They'd opted out. They didn't care anymore. 
Oh, yeah, communion, um, Jesus, um, salvation, yeah, whatever. They didn't try to understand. They ground to a halt. The word of God, it seems, has sort of gone in one ear and out the other. Tragic. Now, the other day when I was doing some preparation for this, um, there was a CD on in the background at home. I think Carolyn was out. It was a Queen CD. I don't mean the Queen. We know about her. There's a British pop group. British, you should have heard of them. In the 1970s. So most of you will have heard of them. Called Queen. Ever heard of them? Oh, I see some of them. And I don't know about you, I love their music. Now some of the lyrics are a bit... But the music is... There's nothing like it. It's absolutely fantastic. The sound they produced, headed up by this guy, Freddie Mercury, who, who sadly died of AIDS at a young age, but fantastic group, fantastic sound. Just And the thing was, before I sort of start raving on about that, um, I was trying to do my preparation. This music was playing in the background. I couldn't do both at the same time. I either had to turn the music off and focus on preparation or stop preparing and just be absorbed by that music because it was there and it sort of enveloped me. It said, listen, be involved. This is good stuff. Get into this. It was a total experience. Um, there was active listening. It, saw, it reached out to me and said, listen, come here. You need to pay attention to this. And it's because I love that music. I want your full attention. It gripped me. It was almost alive. And if I wanted to focus on what I'm doing... I had to turn it off. No half measures. It wasn't just easy listening or background noise. It had to be all or nothing. Have we turned off the word of God because it was getting a little bit too uncomfortable? Have we got other things that we want to do so we think, well, I can't have the word of God because it tabs my attention and I don't want it to grab my attention, so I'm going to turn it off and do what I want to do. And that's the point of this illustration. If we're not careful, we can turn off the Word of God. As I say, it's there, or maybe we just don't want to know anymore. We've given up trying to understand. I've had enough of this Christianity business, this faith stuff. This happened, or that happened, or I've heard this, or I, I just don't well, I'll just come to church and sit through it, go through the motions, and don't ask me to get involved. Thank you, I've had enough. That's tragic. That's sad. But it can happen. You don't want to be stuck in parks. Because the word of God is a bit like Queen, only a million times more. You can't just have it mumbling on in the background and it not having any effect on you because it's living. Remember, it's living and it's active. And if you pay attention to it, it will say, you need to change. It judges our thoughts, our attitudes. It judges our motives. It, it sorts out, it sorts us out more than we can ourselves. And it demands change and holiness, no half measures. The Word of God is our life. It demands total involvement. But it's not all doom and gloom, because I've entitled this slide, Potential. When we examine ourselves, and we find ourselves lacking, that doesn't mean we just sit there in park, or go in reverse, saying, oh, well, there's no good, no hope for me. No, there is hope, there is potential. There is always potential, 
we can still make those choices. We can grow. So these were the verses that we read at the beginning. But I'll read them again. Let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instructions about cleansing rites or baptism, the laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. Here is the word of God saying, hey, don't sit there, move beyond. If you see a lack in your life, move beyond it. Be taken forward. And there is a sense in which when the word of God is active in our lives, we are taken forward. It does the work, refining us, purifying us as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. So this morning the challenge is, let us seek to move beyond, to progress, movement, growth, maturity, engage, drive. Which side is it? It's that side. Be that side in the UK. We're over here now. Engage, drive, and feed the gas. I like that expression. Feed the gas. Get your foot down and move with holiness. It's never too late. So as we close, 2017, a new year. What might moving beyond where we are now mean? Well, first of all, this church is starting small groups. We've got two marriage groups coming up at the end of January. You might want to go to those for a limited time. But small groups, general, restarting, join one. That could be a move beyond, oh, well, I don't want to have to talk to other people. Why not? You're going to spend all eternity talking to them. So you might as well get used to the fact here. Oh, all this Bible study and prayer. Yeah, the living word, the word of God is living and active. God might want to say something to you. Join a small group if you can. Kathy Nywinning is coordinating. Listen up for news about that. Small groups are starting. There's nothing magic about a small group, but we cannot support and relate to one another in a meaningful way sitting here in rows when there's a hundred or more of us. With a dozen of us, we can get to grips with things and support one another and pray for one another and learn from one another and learn from the Word of God. Pastor John's mentioned this two-year Bible reading program. If you've never really got into the Word of God, here's a chance. Get one of those Bibles. Ring up the church office. Say you'd like one. To read through the whole of the Word of God in two years. Is there a way in which perhaps you could serve in the church that you're not doing? Could moving beyond be volunteering? Or if you're not sure what you could do, you don't know what you give. So I go to Pastor John and say, I want to do something. What can I do? Well, I'm sure he'll find something or make some suggestions. Now, I don't want you to think that moving on as a Christian just means getting busy in the church. It doesn't. That's part of it. But moving all, the church is really preparation for life out there. So what about work? What about home? What about our attitudes? What about our thoughts? Reining them in. Having our minds renewed. These are all things that have got nothing specifically to do with Harmony Baptist Church, but they got a lot to do with the kingdom of heaven. And God wants us to move beyond where we are now. So it might be partly to do with what you do in church. It will certainly also be just you living your life as a Christian. Attitudes to people at work. Attitudes to neighbors. Thoughts. Fearful. Unclean. 
negative, whatever, I got into trouble this morning for an attitude. There was something on the radio, I think there was something they were doing in Scotland, and I made some sort of disparaging comment. I said, oh, you're always negative, oh, grumpy old man, sort of thing. Um, so, you know, thank you. Thank you, dear. Thank you, bless you. <laughs> Do we have attitudes that we never really stop and look at? Do we have thoughts about situations, about ourselves, about people that we've never really allowed the Word of God to shine onto? Maybe 2017 is a year when we can renew our determination to do that. And that last one, bigger type, line underlined, and with that fantastic picture there, live near the throne of grace. What does that mean? Totally be close to Jesus, metaphorically, symbolically speaking. Be aware that our life stems from him. Be aware that one day we will be with him and we will see him and we will be like him and all the tears and the pain and the heartache will be a thing of the past. Be aware that our sufferings in this life are nothing compared with the glory that will be revealed. That is our inheritance. That is our destiny. That is our life. The more we're aware of that, and also the more we're aware of what it costs Jesus to allow us to, to look forward to that. That's what I mean by living near the throne of grace. Knowing that the throne is a throne of grace and not criticism or death or judgment. It's a throne of grace. So that we can find grace to help us and mercy in time of need. It's knowing who God is. He's a loving Father. That's who He is. That's who he is. That's who he is. And let's know that we are loved by him. Nothing can stop that. If your experience of your father was awful, okay, God is different. He loves us. We cannot stop in loving us. It's who we are. It's who we are. It's who we are. So let's seek to move beyond where we are now in 2017. On your bulletin, there's two lines. You might want to fill in or just think for yourself, well, there's one or two things that I want to commit with God to do this year or to be something to do for 2017 a target a moving beyond perhaps you might like to think about that there we are let's stand as we go and pray together Father God we want to thank you that your throne is a throne of grace and that we can approach you with confidence and we find mercy to help us we find grace because that's who you are. Lord, you cannot stop being yourself. And we're so grateful for that. And yet we're aware of what it cost you, Lord, for us to be included in your salvation. It cost you the death of your Son. So, Father, we want to thank you that you love us. We want to thank you that you give us a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance. We want to thank you that you're patient with us. You see that we are a dust. Lord, you see right through us. We can't put up a smoke screen before you and you see us and yet you have reached out to us. Lord, thank you that we've been able to share the bread and the wine. Thank you that you've given us the opportunity day by day to move beyond where we are, to be taken forward in your purposes. Help us this new year, Lord, to know that you are God, to know that we're your children, that we're loved by you, and Lord, help us to see and to know what you would have us to do, the steps you would have each one of us to take, that we might grow closer to you. 
Lord, be with us now. May we know your grace and your mercy and your peace. Help us, Lord, to live out your life at home and with our neighbors and at work and uh, wherever we go. Be with us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>